0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Crunchy Take. This will be Crunchy Take episode 22. As you can see, this is the second time I have, I've had a woman on the podcast. And every time this happens, I, I'm always giddy because it's a chance for me to talk about something other than sports, other than uh, movies and ner- nergastic topics. And today I have a very special guest, one I've been looking forward to for a while now, Laura Mummy uh how's it going
1: it's going great thank you for having me this is exciting
0: yeah you know when i initially broached uh the topic or sent an invitation I, I'm, I'm always curious to see how people react and when the reaction that you had was like oh i love sharing my story to me that's like i find that real encouraging yeah. um so a little bit of a introduction laura what exactly is it you do? Um, I know you are a nurse at Community East,
2: right? Community East. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Briefly, describe, I work on. Yeah. I work on the ICU PCU,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which when I explain that to people, so let's say in the hospital there are three levels of care, as according to an intensity of care. So sure. there's the critical care unit that's the most intense. There's a progressive care unit or PCU. That's a little bit less intense, but people can still be unstable. Then there's med surge, and these people tend to be the most stable patients. So I work like ICU, PCU level, so we don't have people who are intubated, but they can have very unstable blood pressures, heart rates. They can be withdrawing from alcohol, Mm -hmm. in renal failure, getting dialysis, all sorts of um, acute. Things and instead of having two patients or one patient like you would in the critical care unit, I would have three patients. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit it's, it's busy. I do.
0: Mm-hmm. So this maybe before we get into like some minor details first, describe what the process is. You know, your average work here. So like when you show up, when when these patients arrive, what's what's like the protocol that you usually do to or go through to accept certain pa- these patients? Like, is it the doctor assigns yep. you or do you have a team that you normally go with and then just like they, you kind of are assigned for people for the day or, you know, what does that process look like for you?
1: Every day. So a hospital is constantly in flux because you don't, people don't plan their hospitalization. Mm-hmm.
2: So right. they
1: come into the emergency room um, and from there, the emergency room docs will decide whether they get admitted to the hospital or not. hmm like for instance, if somebody comes in with a cold, they might need Tamiflu and then you send them back home. Mm. But let's say somebody comes in, they are confused and their heart rates jumped up to like 180 beats per minute. That's an unstable person. They're gonna get admitted to the hospital.
2: Mm. They
1: need to be stabilized before sending them back home. So the doctor will admit the patient to the hospital and then the administration, like um, the chart, uh, each floor has a nursing charge. And so um, every day these nurses in charge have multiple meetings a day and they talk about how many beds are open in the hospital, how many can we admit, how much staff do we have? Because what if we have open beds, but we don't have any staff? Um, So every day that's a, a constant conversation. And so if that patient gets admitted, then the administrative nurses will assign them so, unit and the nurse in charge on my unit will let me know. Hey, you're getting another patient,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the nurse in charge every day assigns nurse each nurse for three patients.
0: Wow, you know that's 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 crucial information for us to know. Is you know the average public because that's the per, our public perception of hospitals. It's a like, it's and rightfully so, right? It's this place of sanctuary. You know, people and like yeah. people are there for. But we what doesn't what we don't think about are all the intangibles that go into helping just even one patient you know so when i guess um when, when covid started happening all the talk about numbers and just the amount of beds that hospitals have that blew my mind that kind of really right. uh struck a chord with me just because i i never took that into account and that's something that you guys have always that's always been a part of your practice right but even before covid it's it's yes. this is this is something that's almost like a constant source of stress to you would you say
1: um no i wouldn't say it's a constant source of stress i and i also think community does a good job of keeping of being reasonable with staffing assignments Mm -hmm. um if let's say if there was a heavy influx of patients and we didn't have the staff to Mm -hmm. take care of all of them Mm -hmm. we would go on what's called diversion which is mean which means we still pay, take patients who walk into the ER, but mm-hmm. we don't take patients from ambulances. So all the ambulances know which hospitals are on diversions and they will not go to those gotcha. hospitals.
0: Man, yeah, I, I have so many technical questions there. But before that, uh, <laughs> let, let's let's hold off on a uh, procedure whatnot. So this is your day off. Um, and again, thank you so <laughs> much for wanting to do this. What does Laura, what does your typical day off look like? Uh, do you have any hobbies that you that you know there's no
1: typical no typical huh um yeah i always exercise i love exercise is how i process stress so i usually swim or ride my Mm. bike um today i made some split pea soup with like bacon in it and it was really it's gonna be really good it's actually simmering on my stove as we talk
0: sounds amazing (laughs) you're gonna have to tell me all these different recipes that you do is just like nutrition wise. I'm looking for ways yeah. to lose weight. <laughs> I'm looking for ways to get down oh. to a certain weight level, you know, it's, and, you know, monitor my nutrition better each week as each week goes on, you know, it's, you know.
1: It's important um, exercises too. And I feel like a lot of people, this is just my two cents. So sure, you're yeah. going to hear it. Um, when it comes to exercise, I feel like a lot of Americans feel like they have to go run a marathon or they have to like sweat and be uncomfortable and be tense Mm -hmm. and like really, and you really don't like going on a walk after dinner is really good for you. Right. Um, but I think whatever you enjoy is what you'll keep doing. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could just tell people like, enjoy your life, like find an activity that you enjoy and just do that. Don't, don't feel like you have to lift weights or you have to, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, a mile every morning at 5.30 a.m. You don't have to do that.
0: Yeah. So. No, that that's a great outset to have because it seems, you you, you you touched on it a little earlier. You said that exercise is how you process stress. Would you say it does more? Yeah. I honestly think for adults, it does so much more for you mentally than probably mm-hmm. physical. You know, the, the mental yeah. aspect of just... Even if you're under, you know, say you've had a bad day at work or whatnot, and you just, you don't even, it's like you said, you don't have to get yourself in the gym, you don't have to get yourself pumping weights or anything like that, but something as simple and as like, kind of visceral as going outside and taking a walk. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how much do you, um, how much can you say from a mental and kind of mental well-being standpoint, how, how crucial is it just to get like tiny little birth of oh. exercise a day or You know every week
1: oh i need it Mm
0: -hmm. like for
1: me or for those people
0: uh for you and for people i guess for you it's 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 even more important right but yeah
1: i mean for people i feel there are so many different body types and so many different people like my sister she's not into heavy exercise Mm -hmm. she but for her stretching every day Mm. that helps her i don't know just kind of opens her up um she has the energy to do the thing she needs to do well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, for me, I need endurance. I need to go some distance and like think like when I was in college, I would go in the mountain trails and I would end up being out there for like two hours mm-hmm. and I wasn't pushing myself hard. I, but I was thinking about stuff and I would forget that I was running. Right. Um, and like swim, I think about, I don't think about my work day when I leave, but when I exercise, I start thinking about, oh, this patient, was mm. going through this, this, and that. And sometimes when I'm swimming, I'll, like, actually be underwater, like, either laughing or crying or, mm. <laughs> like, maybe it looks a little weird to someone, but it's how I, uh, it's when I, f- it's when I start feeling things. Mm. I don't feel a lot when I'm at work. So, oh, so which some people think's bad, but for me, no. if I felt everything, I would crash.
0: Right, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, it, it sounds horrible, but you, you're there it's like we have a job to do you know for me i work in customer service i work as a you know we re- currently work as a retail associate for a grocery store hey like if customers are being hard with you 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 can't have like this you've got to be mentally tough which i think you're getting at you know you've you've had you have this mental yeah. toughness but at a certain point also what 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 is a part of that process you kind of push the emotion back and you get the job done you execute mm-hmm. you know you're like a baby seal you see the objective and you go for it but when you're down right. time, if you're not giving yourself the, if the time to process these different emotions or whatnot
2: you
1: will break
0: you know um yes so it sounds okay. well and so just
1: to give kind of an example mm-hmm. sorry go ahead
0: no no, no go ahead G- uh, just to give like an
1: example like before so during covid they shut down the gym so i couldn't go to the y i go to the y and swim right and by and so i never i never really cried at work when all of that was happening just a few times and those were really extreme situations but then in probably june Mm -hmm. i would just be at the grocery store and all of a sudden i would start crying or i'd be in my car and i would just like i was like this is weird this is not me and i would just be in random places and feel like i can't i can't i don't know what to do with all these emotions that mm-hmm. i didn't even know i had because it takes me like two months to process my emotions yeah. and i would just multiple times just like be somewhere and just start sobbing and i felt like almost a vietnam vet like you know like yeah just in the just i couldn't handle mm-hmm. i didn't have the resources to handle it I- internally yeah so when, back the why up I was there on day
2: one so
0: you know you you mentioned the why shut down for you what were so you know in in as an adult and in in our lifetimes we we have to adjust to certain things so what were things you had to do to kind of replace the why what were things you did outside of the why and like exercise wise because you know there are some people there's a lot there might be some people listening or you know sure. there are people that can't even afford the lot, or can can't even go to the Y, you know? So what what were right. things did as an alternative to that, would you say?
1: I tried doing a few like video cast Pilates classes. I really like Pilates.
0: Pilates, okay. Um they,
1: they, they had a cost and I don't have the internet, so it's kind of like uh mm-hmm. this is hard to maintain. So then I did try to run a few times, but I was my i'm on my feet for 12 hours at work so running actually doesn't feel as good as it used to when i wasn't working 12-hour shifts Mm -hmm. um and so then i would like go to my parents house sometimes and lift weights there but um i think honestly for the whole two months i i did not get into a good rhythm until Mm -hmm. the y opened back up i didn't uh finish adapting Mm -hmm.
0: time. but you know thankfully the Thank, it, i i i can totally relate to that i you know when when covid started i the best i could do was maybe jog around the neighborhood which to me i have shoddy ankles i'm i'm paranoid as all heck when i, when I go outside you know tape up my ankles and yeah. running outside i do love it but to yeah. me running isn't I, I guess for you it's like completely your thing you love to run it sounds like you do you, you have a, you do triathlons right as far as uh did you say you i do
1: <laughs> sprint triathlons what is that sprint triathlons. So a sprint triathlon is basically anything less than an Olympic distance triathlon. Um, Mm -hmm. so a sprint triathlon is not a defined distance, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but the ones I do tend to be about 500 meter swim, 10 mile bike, three mile run. So you can do it in like an hour and 15 minutes. I've done an Olympic once before. Um, I'd like to do another one, but this summer I, I was so tired that physically I just could not
2: they're
1: going to do an olympic this
0: summer yeah well this year i you you clearly aren't alone this year's been a funk for so many different people yeah the ups and downs the ebbs and flows but i think this i think it's even more important you know just from a distance to go when you don't feel like it that's like the that's honestly might be the most important thing Especially with workouts, you know, on especially on days that you don't feel like it. Now, obviously, for you, it's a little different because, like you said, you're on your feet 12, 12 hours a day. You know, people like you and me who are who do basically physical labor jobs. You know, we, we're just on our feet, and the last thing you want to do at the end of the day is i'll be on your feet for another intensive cardio. You know, right. In another dehydrated. <laughs> Some state. people
1: can do it. I just yeah. I'm not one of them. <laughs> for me,
0: like I, you know, I do biking. Um, for, for me, my, my form of exercise that, that really is that stress reliever for me would be basketball, it's uh, jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. and at this point it's jiu-jitsu and martial arts, um, and then uh, just getting in the gym. But do you have any, and for you it seems to be you know, sprint triathlons or running, but do you have any advice for people that just don't have that love or that like drive to want to work out? Like what, what are some key things that people should and have to do or people should be doing to kind of get themselves in that position? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from your thinking. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people in their thinking view exercise as a burden, like I, yeah. just, I just can't enjoy this. And I think we are, I mean, humans are amazing, dynamic beings. Mm-hmm. And we can, we are learning beings, there's, um, if something's enjoyable and you don't enjoy it at first, it can be learned. Um, and so I, I don't come from like a place of judgment, like all you bums out there need to get up. But like, I've come from a, like expand your thinking and Mm -hmm. that can, that can, um, shape your actions. like like i said people you don't have to go run a marathon but a walk on fall day like go let your mind relax and just think about the the, mm-hmm. the air going through the trees it's restful don't think about your to-do list for 30 minutes not i'm not saying like check out of life and don't do anything don't be responsible don't work hard i'm saying find something that you enjoy go for a walk kayak um
2: oh, you know meet up
1: with a friend and like just like walk through i don't know mm-hmm. crawl on the floor with their kids like <laughs> just <laughs> mow a lawn
0: yeah so. especially well i mean for oh you just raised a good point like people parents you know new parents or whatnot they have kids and just that that's a whole you you basically working in 24 7 at that point right it's just like how do you kind of yeah. traverse this environment but I, I like what you said of just so adjusting your mindset Right. So, not thinking exercise yeah. in terms of I have to pump, I have to do different things. It's just, you know, a walk right. outside, hearing, yeah. the, hearing, the, hearing the birds. Um, mm-hmm.
1: You
0: know, walking. You said on a fall day. Here, here's the interesting part. Um, you, you said earlier, you said something about the American lookout of exercise. Right. Mm-hmm. I come from a country where all you have to do to exercise is stand outside. Uh, and do nothing. Do absolutely nothing. You do the smallest nominal tasks without AC in the house, and you'll get your exercise in. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about sweat. You know, it, it shocked me first time I heard about people using the sauna in American yeah. gyms. You know, you, you oh, <laughs> you use the sauna before you work out. What? I thought you were supposed to use that after you work out. You know, I. Um, yeah, that's. I don't know why I thought about that. Thailand? Yeah, Thailand. That's where yeah. I grew up. And it's, we have four types. We have four uh, weather slash climate zones there. It's like hot, hotter. And then the last two, you put a swear word in front of hot. That's how, that's how crazy hot and <laughs> <laughs> crazy it gets, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just the fact that, you, you know what? The thing, I think the sh- thing I'm trying to get at is there's no, there are a few things better than getting a full sweat on you know like an absolute full blast out mm-hmm. sweat and then taking you know just ah, you feel like you can breathe you know yeah um yeah it can be
1: really good for you but no yeah. thailand is definitely hot
0: i miss it people you know to me what's hard is to work out in winter in the winter time you know it's just like it's like the yeah oh you know to me as i i believe i'm a v- indiana veteran now but Oh man, like the, the cold, like you, you look what outside do you mean? and it's still like a... Well, I've been here for seven years. You know, I came here for school. I went okay. to Taylor in 2013 and I graduated recently. and But like my first winter was so brutal. I looked outside and it was just snow for days and months on end. And to me, that did something mentally <laughs> yeah. and psychologically to me. To me, that's why I never complain about the hot anymore, you know? But, you know, different people, different motivations. So that, if that's your look on... um exercise what what other hobbies do you uh do you personally make time for when you have the time
1: uh i i go on bike rides mm-hmm. um i i like to learn i like to cook uh just like something new mm-hmm. um so sometimes i'll just think about something i want to make and i'll make it like today i made a new recipe mm-hmm. uh for the split pea soup um honestly most of the margin in my life i I keep forced like spontaneously going and seeing friends. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll go over to a friend's house and be like, Hey, are you home? Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I I just really enjoy having the margin to just hang out with people and uh, nurses' schedules, you work three days and you have four days off and like I feel like two of those days I spend recovering from the three days, so it's five days. <laughs> but mm, yeah. But then for the other days, i I really like seeing people and you know i I think also with nurses like not not working the weekends and uh, or working every third weekend and working a lot of evenings, you kind of miss uh feeling like a regular part of things like you yeah. can never have regular attendance at anything yeah and so I always really crave um human interaction mm-hmm. um, oh. pretty pretty strongly
0: I don't think yeah that's well one i i i I feel for you there but i also feel like don't don't be too hard on the or not i guess what i'm trying to say is that the feeling out and like the fear of missing out right that's a real thing for you for us yeah just like i I feel like any job i feel at our age um you know the people within our generation i think it's a total shift from what has come before whereas like you you had a regular kind of life And depending on your occupation, right? But even if, say, someone like me or someone like a bartender or whatnot, you feel there's this constant uh, fear of missing out because of your lack of a regular schedule, you know? So not to compare being a nurse to a bartender, but there there are some similarities there. The fact that you're constantly on call, your manager might call you, your executive, your um, boss might call you, say, hey, I need you to come in on this day or whatnot. I need you to fill... You to work a double shift, you know. So, what are some uh, mental things and games that you play to help you cope with that? Because I feel like a lot, a lot of people in society that that's like a thing they're not willing to admit. You know, they they crave human interaction, but you know, a lot at the same time, people are introverts. Uh, but at the same time, it's like this ever longing thing that people want to have. You know, so when when you're going through these um ups and downs of your occupation as you do what are things you're constantly thinking about to get yourself out of that box
1: um i feel like at this point in my career it's kind of a i kind of know what to expect and i kind of know when i'll feel low and when i like it's predictable Mm -hmm. um and so i think i just regularly like reaching out to people and being like hey uh, because I, I like doing things spontaneously so often, yeah. But then it's something like on a day you're like, oh, I was going to go see this person, and nobody's available. Then that can kind of blow, that kind of blows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just reaching out and, and planning things um, is helpful for other people to be available who want to be available. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I'm in a rut. I don't like feeling uh, like I'm always. I I don't like feeling unreliable. I think is what I, I don't mind that I miss church, you know, every third Sunday or I sure, miss yeah. small group every now and then. Um, but I don't like feeling like, I feel like, especially I'm definitely a millennial and I feel like we get kind of a bad rap for like not being committed to things. Yeah. We and either. so, um, nursing can definitely amplifies that, but I, I feel, um, I don't, I don't feel like my not an inability to commit to long-term things comes from like an internal thing. It's more external. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's both, I guess, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't beat myself up for not being yeah. a part of things regularly, it's... but I do long to have that like faithful connection with people. Yeah. I, I I value that. And I, don't know what it's fully like. I used to work outpatient in a cancer clinic and I had more of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I did that, and then I was like, man, I have all these nurse friends who have days off. So there's like a good, there's good things to both schedules.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's the over um, reoccurring battle of just dealing with the nature of the reality of our, you know, of, of, either your occupation or just life in general, the fact that things are not always going to go as you plan, you know, like you like right. doing spontaneous things. It's no like dream doing,
1: job. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you like doing spontaneous things, but then again, at the same time, like you're, you're, you're doing what you want for a living there. There's so many people um, currently that just, yeah, they're Mr. You, you, you right. may, it may be hard, but then you're also, at the same time, you like what you do you know which is amazing which yeah is an incredible yes. thing. and for me it, I, it's worth I'm it. not in what I want to do at the moment but at the same time I'm not miserable there are people out there that are actually miserable whenever they go to work it's like they, they get in and it's just like human there's this probably a chemical imbalance at a certain point and also like a, there's a bodily it's a bodily reaction when you go to work you dread it you know and yeah. so for those people you, you got to feel for them and just like yeah just contend getting yourself so you said you can predict it right like the you said you can almost kind of see it coming when you know it's going to be like a tough grind
1: i if i have not been exercising regularly and if i am not seeing people on my days off not Mm. all day but like like on my day off if i don't have anything to look forward to in the day if it's like i gotta do laundry i gotta cook i gotta do this and I don't, I'm not going to see anyone at the end of the day. It, it's, um, it makes me sad.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so just knowing that I, on my days off, usually I'll like, I like, I gotta get this work done. But then like tonight, after this, I'm going on a bike ride with, with a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just something fun and interact. I need to interact with people. I need to have a good conversation. Uh, conversation really drives me and conversation is like doing life with people. I don't know if you know if you're into like Latin and Greek roots, but um, con, the word con in conversation means with and then Mm -hmm. the verse uh, or vert um, is the same Latin root as convert. Converse and convert have the Mm -hmm. same Latin roots and then The vert means to turn over. So turn life over with.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And it's this kind of like didactic or not just like dialectical dance. Just Mm -hmm. turning life over with another person is precious.
2: Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with that in mind, do you think there's a difference between conversing with someone and interacting with someone? There definitely is, in my opinion, but in your Hmm. opinion... Online versus actually in person, you know, because this year, with this whole year, and not just this year, obviously, but it's kind of been this thing where our generation in particular, we are now proficient with online interaction, online social interaction, you know, social media or whatnot. What's your take on that? And the fact that that's well,
1: you might be proficient, but I definitely clearly <laughs> am not.
0: <laughs> oh, come on.
1: So <laughs> as Evan, Bye. This whole setup taking 30 minutes <laughs> um so the question can you refer, can I ask the question again i, I guess Sorry. the
0: question is what's your take on like social media and like how that has kind of because that if, if you take a look at it from a generational perspective that's almost um in a in a way and research has shown that it has contributed to a lot of our generation's dealings with depression yeah, um, and so even though we're reaching out together, even though we have more contact, more ways to contact with people than ever before, what's your take sure. on that? As as you know, you maybe in your medical experience and knowledge, like like do you do you avoid that as much as possible on your days off, or is it just is it also a part of your life?
1: I don't avoid it, uh, but it's no substitute for the real person, mm. right there. Um, or even when COVID happened, there were no visitors in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I had, I mean, we had people dying mm-hmm. all, like, all the time. And so you're on a, like a video chat with the family yeah, and they're the ones making decisions. And for, for a lot of people, like not being there, if, if you were able to be there to see like your father or your mother or your grandfather or your grandmother suffering and s- see that we are trying, like, I think a hard thing for people was they could they would wonder like are you trying or are you just letting my family member die
2: yeah
1: and i was like no we're trying but when you're there in person you can see like okay they do this yeah you can see it and and my dad's still declining despite x y and z Mm -hmm. and um all this treatment seems to be futile so um Mm. those are hard decisions whether you're in person or not Mm -hmm. but um i do think social media has a good use mm-hmm. but it's not a replacement for in person it can't yeah. it can't i mean human beings are complex like we're dynamic and there's so much to us and um and it just has its limitations yeah. um you you feel there's a beginning and an end to this interaction it's not fluid it's got a start time and end time yeah. which yeah. doesn't feel natural
0: yeah and I like that you brought up what, what, you know, what took place recently within your, you know, I mean, especially this year, you know, it's the same thing about seeing something happen, happening in person, as opposed to happening, you know, on screen, which has been, to me, it's been my whole life with sports. You know, this whole year has been a wildly confusing human kind of uh, experiment, like a cruel human experiment almost to see people kind of driven to the edge. On what they can handle emotionally and physically. Yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. it's been quite the hurdle. But I give you a lot of props for just you know those those days, especially you, you mentioned video calls with clients, right? With, with their with their patients' families, families. You know, patients' families, and you you're in them. And what we don't t- we we the public miss out on, you guys are actually in those half the times because someone either you're holding up the camera for them sometimes, or right, you know you're assisting them you're you someone is always into especially for intensive care patients right i'd imagine that you you do so much more for them on such a human um small intangible levels that we just don't have any knowledge of at all like may what what are some things that for you a lot to kind of segue off of that what are some of the tougher aspects of your job that we at the public just don't know about in your opinion I know um, there's probably a lot but
1: so the tougher aspects are the long-term aspects of being in the midst of high stress emotions yes. constantly mm-hmm. so um like as a nurse you are you are coordinating care so the doctor gives the orders the nurse carries them out mm-hmm. um but then know a patient will have a physical therapist an occupational therapist a case manager a social worker uh, all these people and they all come through the nurse and um, then the family members you know there's a lot of legal aspects to medicine and you know every now often family members are not all on the same page and there's ethical issues like brain function as at this level are they alive or is their life worthwhile or you know what mm-hmm. makes a life what makes somebody's life worthwhile like mm-hmm. uh, or just the whole idea of being in a vegetable state is that should we pull all life support off or should we you know and there's bi- those are big value statements and those are stressful things and so I think the hardest part personally for me is to high stress emotions um mm-hmm. being in the middle of them and being a coordinator mm-hmm. um, but since i have direct con- contact with the patient all throughout the day most likely people's frustration whether it's with me or with the doctor or with anyone else mm-hmm. it will come on me mm-hmm. and i will you know i'll direct it and tell them where to solve it but i someone cursed out a doctor i don't know but last time someone cursed out a nurse was yesterday (laughs) so or today so i i don't when you're suffering and you're sick you tend to be the worst version of yourself and your family tends to be falling like going through a lot too so there's a lot of grace right for people's behavior but that's still the hardest part for me to constantly bear uh people come to the hospital have unhappy experiences and you're how they react, you bear it.
0: Right. Because I, from a, I guess from a patient standpoint, not only are you seeing yourself deteriorate, right? But then with, with nurses or doctors, I, I guess the also perception is you're in bed and they're just fine. You know, in, in, in that, in that moment, you're probably thinking to yourself, why, why am I in this situation to begin with? Look at these healthy people helping me out. And it's just like they, they, they have all this knowledge. Um, and I'm just, you know, just kind of speaking aloud from a, if you were actually in a patient standpoint, it's just like you're seeing the kind of the mental thing that happens to you when you see other people that are perfectly fine helping you out and helping you with the smallest things like getting up or heck, maybe changing parts, you know, changing the bedpan or, or whatnot. It's like that, that does right. so much kind of damage or not damage, but it does something to you. You know, the fact psychologically,
1: that it it's hard to feel Helpless, yeah, yeah. Like even it's, the especially for Americans,
2: yeah. yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So with that, um, so kind of taking that into mind, the difficulties of today, right? Um, this may be a weird segment, but when did you first know that you wanted to become a nurse? Let's take a step back and revisit what what made you the version of you today. When did you know you know whether it was in your training or when you were a kid like when, when was when were moments and uh times that you knew you wanted you you wanted to do this for a living
1: i i don't think i ever had oh really <laughs> i think after i became a nurse i realized i wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. like probably three years into my career mm-hmm. um i just picked something i like science and i like people and so um I used to want to go into forestry or personal training,
2: sure. then I
1: decided no to both of those. In um, nursing, you get to learn science um, and you get to be around people and it seems like a good use of your time, mm-hmm. of my time, so I thought I just kind of non-emotionally picked it. I mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah, and even in school, people would say, if, you, if you're not called to this profession, you're not going to make it and I was always quietly being like, <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to make it, it. but I made it. I did fine. Mm -hmm. Like I graduated. I had great GPA. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't an issue. Transitioning to the real job was a lot harder than school. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I wanted, I realized that I wanted to be a nurse probably in 2018. And I had been a nurse for three years at that point, but, um, Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I realized I wasn't a bad nurse, anymore. like I was a good nurse and yeah. I could take good care of people and I could help, like I knew how to help them in deeper ways than just like physical, like I could impact people Yeah, and that is cool. Or when you mm-hmm. can see someone in the morning, they, on their face, they have no hope, mm-hmm. but in the evening they have hope and you can see it on their face. And then um, when I started to get to train other nurses, mm-hmm. that's when I realized I really like being a nurse and I, I have something to offer i think that's when i decided that i wanted to be a nurse <laughs> wow
0: so it was kind of so it's it, it was it by the sounds of it, it it was something you were always like good at but you didn't know you were good at it up until you had a body of work to then go off of right because, i don't
1: think i was a good nurse at the beginning like oh, really? <laughs> i think yeah it just took me i don't i mean maybe other people would say differently i'm a kind of a perfectionist mm-hmm um so maybe my harshest critic is me but i i lost my first job my manager told me hey this is not for you Mm -hmm. like straight out of college i decided i I tried to i worked in the multi-specialty critical care unit at methodist which is the most complex Mm -hmm. i see there it's the patients there are the most complex patients at methodist and i just i was not good at it i wasn't progressing i um so she she asked me to resign. So I, I took a hit emotionally, like my was shot. So it took me a, a few years to build that. To back
0: build up. that back up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what? Okay, that's um. Well, that is a hard moment in your life, right? That that's one of the deeper. Uh, whenever someone asks you to resign, or the fact that you meet failure. So how did you go about? Because and and you're not alone in this. You know, you mm-hmm. there's no way. there's so many people out there that go through this exact same thing you know me for example i i failed college the thing you were good at yeah i sucked at it like i couldn't oh grades were terrible but work i i found even if it was you know customer service or stuff like that i found enjoyment in actually working so i found out very quickly i'm not really a student and by the end of my educational career i i went from wanting to be a filmmaker to being an English teacher to just being an English major to then being a journalist. And that's where I'm yeah. that's what I'm pursuing today, you know? And whereas yeah. you you've already you you've kind of found yourself a career. What were things, you know, I because I, I wager to believe that when you um when you were first asked to resign, when you were taking that failure, when you were going through that stage, there was probably a lot of self doubt that went into you. Right? There's there's probably like just Maybe I should try something else. I guess my question is, what were things that you did after that to kind of build yourself back up, to kind of build yourself a career that you have now, basically?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think one of the hardest things about losing my job was I thought my manager was right. I don't Mm -hmm. think she made a bad decision. I was not good at it. And I could see it, Mm -hmm. too. And I felt like she actually, I don't feel embittered towards her. She made the right decision. She's protecting her patients from a bad nurse. Um, not, un, not unethical. Just I just wasn't making progress. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of build myself back up, I um, I just started in a lower stress area of nursing. I went and worked in a cancer clinic, uh, which is outpatient. It's it's I wouldn't call it. I would never say this to like any other cancer nurse that it's easy because but it is simpler in that you have a schedule you know what people are coming in for you know what they're getting Mm -hmm. um and whereas in the hospital you have no idea who you're taking care of every day you don't know you know it might be a new diagnosis that you've never you know Mm -hmm. but there's more predictability in an outpatient setting Mm -hmm. um outpatient meaning like an eight to five clinic not not overnight um they're walking they're talking Um, yeah so I I did that for a year and a half Um, and then once I was there, I always wanted, I wanted to go back inpatient. I wanted to go back to the hospital um, just to kind of prove to myself that I could do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I always knew when I was in the cancer clinic that I wasn't going to stay there for a long time, Mm -hmm. even though I liked it. I I wanted to know what I can do. I, I didn't like that in, you know, just regular life, I want to explore, I want to know what I can do, I want to see what I'm capable of. And so after that, I went and worked a year and a half in the Neurotrauma PCU um, uh, Progressive Care Unit at Methodist. Okay. And that's when I really liked
2: mm-hmm.
1: realized that I like being a nurse. And I gained, you gain so much skills in patient, you gain so much critical things, skills, you learn how to make decisions under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's invaluable to me.
0: Right. So maybe describe that, for example, the the period that you learn, right? Because whenever we fail at something, there's always there's that failure period. There's that feeling down. Then there's the trying to build yourself back up. Mm -hmm. And then through that, you learn so much more about yourself than you you could have maybe if you were successful at that first job to begin with. You know, you are a better version of yourself now than when you failed initially. You know so what, right. what what were some of the things that led you to learn these skills what was what were aspects of this job the second job that you had or um you said you were yeah th- this this learning stage that you had what were what were aspects of the job that made you i guess meant not only mentally tougher but also like helped you build your confidence in the fact that you were trying hard every single time at it every day at it
1: i think the two things that i felt Weighed me down. The the two things that I felt like I was really bad at was one, critical thinking. Like I would take care of a patient, but then I I would not be in my own mind. I would be like, okay, so what are the main things I'm trying to think about today? And I wouldn't know. I'd be like, well, I don't know. I need to do an assessment at this time and think about the tasks that I need to do, but not think about the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So when I learned to see the bigger picture of like, okay, you know, this person came in for a GI bleed, I'm, I am i am going to make sure mentally they're mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. waxing and waning because that's a symptom of them bleeding mm-hmm. or I'm going to anticipate that I'm going to check their blood later today. And if not, I'm going to call the doctor and see what he wants to do. And so, I just became better at predicting mm-hmm. big picture things. And then the second thing that I felt like I was not good at is I just had no spine. Like with somebody was at me, it just crushed me. <laughs> Because I'm a perfectionist. Like, I want to be the best. Yeah. And um, people are unhappy a, a lot out in the hospital and in the real world. And um mm-hmm. people, when they're under stress, well, they'll, they can say just abusive, very critical things. And yeah, I learned absolutely. to stand up for myself and take in, you know, there's some criticism that I should take in. Like, I don't do everything right. And so I should, you know, I told, you know, I have examples of things that I learned to. i heard and changed but then there are some things that um that's not true and i'm not going to take that inside of me yeah and i just kind of toughened up and learned to stand up for myself when you're kind of under some abuse from somebody else yeah and that i really enjoyed my job because i knew how to set boundaries and Mm -hmm. you know people would people do respond to boundaries a lot of people do. there's like one or two that don't and they're psycho but (laughs) the average person can be molded or can be
0: yeah can can be built to kind of take it but not 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 take it in terms of um you know take allowing yourself to be abused but i think what's happening what happened and what has happened with a lot of people is is that you know once at a certain point, you learn to internalize and kind of contend with the reality of the situation. What's the reality of what I'm dealing with right now? You know, for me, I used to get right. much like you, but in opposite way. Uh, when, when people were rude at me, I'd get very angry. Like I'd almost, I'd, you know, I'd go into, mm. the, you know, I, I started off last year, I was a barista shift manager. I was a manager of a coffee shop. And whenever we got rude customers, like there's this one customer that would always like you I mean it was just he was a like figure he was trying to intimidate me. I was like, okay, cool. I go into the back room and I literally punch the wall. I had a lot of anger issues like years yeah. in the years past, you know, but I guess over time you kind of learn to wait, wait, why first of all, I have no idea the emotional baggage that anybody is bringing in the door. You know, that's you you, you say you go to church. Sure. And that's one of the things yeah. church we pray about all the time is we have no you as a nurse, you probably you have this internally as well. You have no idea who's coming in the door. You have no idea, really, if they're the emotional slash psychological, right. uh, where that someone may have. So their outcry on you may not be a reflection on you. You know, you are your right. harshest critic. We are our harshest critics in reality. Um, but in the reality of the moment, it's like, yeah, are they really angry at me, or are they just, or it's just like a reflection of where they are in life and. You know, and for me dealing with customers or clients that have that same mentality, even if they're rude, you know, I'll try not just, you know, in all reality, who's, who's going to strike out at me with a violent tone, you know, just like, so I guess in our, in in different ways, I feel like you, you kind of uh, found your backbone just by readjusting how you internalize criticism you know how how you internalize mm-hmm. the, the cursing and the kind of outpour because there are those days where cus- where your customers yeah. or your patients will just nail on you you know and yeah. you just like and, and now you're at a state and sometimes it'll get to you but now it's like you're at a point where you can you can see what's going on and it's that part of the job you were talking about earlier where you know you're here to do a job you are here to establish and do the objective right you know and yeah. just having that goal in mind kind of helps you know for me it's oh getting the customers the right items and yeah. <laughs> you know uh if you would know, not um so, <laughs> yeah oh you would not believe the the amount of uh you would actually be pretty depressed by the amount of <laughs> junk that people buy not not to not to put my customers on blast but just to say like diet coke or frozen foods different kinds of frozen foods to me that that to me is depressing whenever i you know do picking for customers it's just like mm-hmm. uh, really you Pick want the 12 ounce instead of you know or or you know diet Coke yeah. or um right no, for me but a touchy thing is always like gluten-free so like if someone, wants, if someone wants gluten-free, more than likely they're celiac or they have a certain kind of condition that you have to be aware of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess in a long-winded way, it's it's like, it's interesting to see, to hear from your perspective, being a nurse and just like the kind of abuse that you're made to deal with and how you've kind of, through, through the years, how you've kind of molded yourself to become tougher yeah. to deal with it, you know, because you see what's going well- on. Yeah.
1: And like I said earlier, there's a lot of room for grace. Like some people are out of their minds because they're sick. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some people are just terrible people, but there's also a, I'm going to be here for 12 hours. I'm still going to make this work and I can't make it work if I don't have any respect for this person. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of room for grace and there's a lot of room for, um, telling people, Hey, This is how you can speak to me. If you are not going to speak to me, I'm not obligated to stand here and listen to it. I'm going to walk out. And a lot of times, if you do stand up, people like the rest of the day, you'll have a great relationship with them. They'll almost they start to respect you more. And Mm -hmm. I I like I most of the people that like if the night shift nurse is giving me a patient and she says like, well, this is going to be a really challenging patient. A lot of times, if you just show some like a little respect to that person blasting on night shift nurse. I just, that's who I get report from in the morning. Cause I'm a day shift nurse. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times if you show respect to that person, they will respond to feeling respected and that sometimes that's the whole issue. Right. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not blasting on night nurse. I, I, I'm just, those are the people I get report from. So that's kind of what I'm
2: saying
0: right. there. No, they're the people um, that give you your mission objectives. You, you, you get there in the mo- night. Oh, <laughs> they're
1: passing on their patients yeah. to me so right, right. i i totally respect night yeah. shift i just yeah. phrased it poorly
0: no that's fine uh you know the, the whole this question of when did you first want know you wanted to become a nurse i you know like a lot of people you, you kind of stumbled upon it right this was something that you kind of you thrust yourself into and it seems like you found a way to go about finding and applying your interests right because your initial interests yeah uh like a lot of people that go to college or like a lot of people that go off uh you know on their educational paths dude the the, half the time you're gonna switch you're gonna pivot you're gonna adjust you're gonna you know go maybe where god leads you in a different path you know um so what advice would you say you have for people that are just you know because there are a lot of people going to college right now during coronavirus you know it's like that maybe want to become a nurse, you know, it's always, mm. or maybe want to become a nurse. Do you have any advice for people that are entering this field, you know, that are maybe about to oh. start their, uh, grad school or also just like you know, cause that's another hurdle that people have to cross, you know, either undergrad or grad, or just maybe someone just doesn't know what they want to do right now. You having been through the stuff that you've been through, what would, what would you say to, to people like that?
1: i have no regrets about becoming a nurse that's for sure it is a great degree i have a bachelor's and that is mm-hmm. a, a that's really a lot to you can do a lot with that degree um you can do a lot with an associate's degree um mm-hmm. too in nursing if if it, my audience is people who are thinking about nursing um i think 100 percent it's a good idea because Even if you don't want to work inpatient, Mm -hmm. you can work outpatient. You can work in administration. You can do home health. There's nursing is like the ultimate millennial job. Like (laughs) you have a very flexible schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to switch jobs anytime, there's always jobs open. There's always a demand for nurses. You have great job security, except for I guess during COVID, some nurses did lose their job. But that's since. When people talk about getting intimidated for interviews, I'm like, why are you intimidated? They just want to see that you have a degree and that your heart's beating and like they'll hire you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's very flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless you try to screw it up, you probably will be fine. Mm. Um, if you're thinking about a master's degree, I mean, that's even, that's great. That's cool. I mean, you're very employable. But no, nursing's a great degree. It's it's diverse, mm-hmm. and nursing skills are life skills, like how to talk to people, yeah. how to set boundaries with people, how to take care of people who don't want to be taken care of, yeah. how to persuade people to do what they should do, and how to take you know, also how to let go when somebody doesn't want to get better and that's their choice, and you let go. You you don't okay. let go in an ethical sense, but in a I respect your decision. Yep, I'll. I will let go. Um, so you learn a lot of skills, a lot of like even business skills like you there's a cost to everything, there's efficient ways to do things um, and leadership skills. like for my patients, I'm the leader of their care. like the doctor calls the shots in the sense, but i I can I can I can tell him pertinent things. I am mm-hmm. coordinating the entire day for my patient. Um, and that gives you confidence and um, clinical judgment um you know stuff that's not like not objective there's subjective things and you say well i've seen this before and i think this is our best course of action and mm-hmm. i have uh, you know you have good judgment and that's really valuable yeah you have good assessment skills um nursing is a great field
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: a it's so employable and it's so valuable and it can transfer to so many job types yeah.
0: would you say right now there's a i mean kind of transitioning into the current state of things you would you say there is even more of a need now for good nurses to come out or like like, there's always
1: a need for good nurses as far as more or less i don't know that's not my area of expertise i don't really keep tabs on society in general so i don't know Mm
0: -hmm. okay so all that we've gone through this year and you know your experiences as a nurse so far what is um Kind of, as, as a weird kind of segue, what is your current take on the general public's stance of the virus? Um, because I feel like, you know, because to, to kind of maybe preface the question further, we've, we've gone through the ebbs and flows of what happens right. when a pandemic occurs. Right? So when it first occurs, major panic. Grocery stores deplin- like depleted. Right. People panic buying or whatnot. So major fear. But now it seems like the fear has gone away. But the virus is still very real. You know, in, in, mm-hmm. in many respects. So, what what's your current what's your take? Are you are you more frustrated, or is just kind of again contending with the reality of the situation? Like, what what do you have for the current the current status of the virus versus the current the public's like attitude towards it? In your opinion?
1: Sure, I think that's on that subject. Um, so, I'll try to be brief because everyone, um, but um. I think you know it's a real virus. It really is a disease. We don't have a cure for it, so you should you should be careful. I do think if you're social distancing, wearing a mask, that's I don't think I don't think going out in public um, is a bad thing. I don't think staying in your house. I think staying in your house and not exercising and not seeing people can create a hundred different problems just by mitigating one um as far as society i do think we accomplished as a society like mass population health education we educated people like people understand Mm -hmm. you know hand washing and cover your mouth like that's huge we we accomplished like population-wide health education Mm -hmm. so we did that i think at this point people should have the freedom to say i don't feel comfortable with this i feel comfortable with this and kind of make their own choices um um going to be people who things back or not they're mm-hmm. going to cause trouble so that's mm-hmm. whether we open up or not doesn't mitigate in my opinion does not change the troublemakers um
2: yeah
1: so that's that's i do think opening up is a good Plan and it can be done well and it can be done right and um there are other needs there are other needs that are getting um,
2: right. forgotten yeah it's you know because yeah,
0: it's interesting to me to see that kind of human kind of experiment not experiment you know what I mean but it's like, yeah what has happened to what you mean. the human psyche as we've yeah. gone through this because when when the virus first started when when it started when it first broke out on a massive scale in in america we have never seen anything like this but at least in our life if you've been around since 1918 with the spanish flu that's like the, that's the last time right i think america had like you know my university had a paper from 100 years ago saying reporting about it um but what happened was people were very fearful Right, and then masks were scarce. You couldn't get a mask. You know, people were exhausting Amazon and whatnot. And so then Amazon and other these other shipping corporations had to prioritize medical uh, facilities and whatnot. And then, for whatever reason, four months later, the perplexing thing for me to see was people rebelling against masks. A small vocal minority, like you said, the troublemakers. Right, this Mm -hmm. small vocal minority kind of blasting out, and that has an effect on people. You know, just seeing kind of oh. Is, does anything I do really matter? You know, we're going to get this virus anyway. We're going right. uh, to have to develop immune bodies to this anyway, which I think is a very kind of self, you know, selfish kind of way to think about it. But right. what you're saying about things opening up, I think, it's, I think it's important as well, because you have a people that have been shut. You know, you have a virus that shut down the global economy. You know, for me, I was watching an NBA game. You know, as a basketball game, then I saw a staff member run out of the locker room and said, no, 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 Nicole, we can't play this game. And then five minutes later, I get a call from my dad saying he can't go to work. He lives in Thailand. That's never happened to me before. Seeing it on screen and then it appearing on my phone in less than five, like 10 to five yeah. minutes, stuff going on it's like that. that. So just the change that people... So you said you, you hit on something interesting Well, you said the... Health education of the country Mm -hmm. and there in the world has improved because of this virus. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, people are understanding hand washing and uh, covering your cough. I Mm -hmm. mean, those sound basic to us, but they're not to every person. Um, Like I think of the Ebola crisis in what 2014,
2: 2015 in
1: Liberia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the biggest samaritan's purse was the primary samaritan's purse and doctors without borders were the main organizations managing that crisis and their biggest barrier was educating the people not to kiss the dead body Mm. because culturally they kiss the body right and that's there's there's body fluid in your sweat there's you know it's Mm -hmm. it's transferable and they were pleading with people and try to educate people Viruses and spreadable diseases. Um, if you figure out how they are spread, you can figure out how to stop it. You mm-hmm. stop the spread. You 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 don't get the disease if you stop the spread. right If you know how to not get it. Um, and so, viruses are scarier, I think, than something like Ebola because breathing is—you can't stop breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're always going to mm-hmm. breathe. But, um, you like, if you're symptomatic, that's when you're most likely to be contagious. So if you're coughing, um, if you're not coughing, you're not producing enough force to expel the virus from your respiratory system Mm. So your risk up. When when COVID started, the chief intensivist at the hospital addressed all the nurses and he basically said, you're all going to be exposed to COVID and we're not going to quarantine you. And the reason why is because unless you're symptomatic, you have to come to work because if you're symptomatic the what we know as medical professionals is you're contagious if you're symptomatic Mm -hmm. if you're not symptomatic you're not contagious and that's what we're going to run on because we need you to work um Mm -hmm. and that um i believe other other respiratory issues are like that too the flu is like that too you can you can be a carrier and not spread it Mm -hmm. if you're not having symptoms so yeah education is a big deal and we did yeah. it and so i think the biggest hurdle has been crossed and i think there's a lot of room for grace in this sure. too like being yeah. patient with one another not not judging someone mm-hmm. because they're tighter than you and um yeah, yeah i mean i have watched lots of people die i i know yeah, it's real yeah. i'm not saying it's not real and yeah. it's they died awful deaths but i also think um You educate people, and you move. You trust what you know Mm because you can't just live in fear. You trust what you know, and you try. Mm
0: -hmm. So So, yeah. um, So in, I guess for going further with the public's knowledge of health education, what are things? What are areas you say that we could improve in as far as knowing, uh, and and not just obviously not just pertaining to this virus because we've 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 always kind of struggled to maintain like. Health standards, right? Even across the board before this virus even started, but maybe accentuated by the virus. So now you're saying stuff like cough, covering your mouth when you cough, or surfaces, oh, or what? Yeah,
1: or even like washing your hands after you go to the bathroom for like,
0: twenty seconds. The whole fingers thing, you know, the fact that it should take about twenty seconds to wash your hands, or you know about that. Like,
1: it, yeah, the research shows twenty seconds. That's mm-hmm. the recommended time. But Mm -hmm. even just like people rinsing their hands with water, like Mm -hmm. bacteria and things on your hands, water does not uh, pull it off your hand. You need something that's lipid based, Mm -hmm. like soap. Soap has lipids in it. That pulls, uh, you're not actually killing bacteria with soap. You are loosening it from your skin and then the water rinses it off. That's Mm -hmm. the basic concept of washing your hands. Right. I mean there's antibacterial soap but I think that's ridiculous. I don't, you don't need it. <laughs> you just need soap. Mm-hmm. Uh regular soap is fine.
2: But I just, yeah, I, I think
1: just go ahead.
0: No. Which is okay, so you said something about antibacterial soap. That's funny because that's that's still scarce at the moment in, in grocery stores. Like if you go um there's there's a certain aisle at least for the the chain that i work at right or the 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 one that i uh help facilitate and manage there's like sure antibacterial like the the either the, ha- the hand sanitizer or whatnot it's always out but then again there's plenty of soap and the oxy and the not oxymoron but the kind of funny thing about doing this kind of work is you'll see some people are so adamant about getting this one particular product right they no the substitutes and I'm sitting there thinking, it's still so, you know, it yeah, it's exactly <laughs> the same thing. It Okay, this one may stink a little bit. So that may be the reason you don't want it. But like,
1: but we, we, <laughs> I we... also think it's funny that people are all up in arms about antibacterial soap. I need antibacterial. I was like, don't you know this is a virus? It's yeah. not even bacteria. I was like, yeah. but either way, you just need mm-hmm. soap. Soap pulls it off.
0: So. It's. It was just funny. It, it was kind of funny slash sad to see the public. Uh, targeting certain um, products, you know, like the whole toilet paper instance was, was, was bizarre, was so bizarre to me, and obviously, you know, Lysol cleaning products were gone, because people just people had a, ma- in your opinion, you probably, you probably think this too, but in my opinion, I think there was this mass overreaction to um, how to go about personally taking care of yourself, because like, you saw the shelves, right, you saw these places yeah, just depleted of everything, where whereas it should have, I, I I don't know if people weren't as picky, I don't know maybe it wouldn't have been that way. Did, did, was there any way that we could have avoided that particular scare? Or, or is that just like within our nature to do so?
1: Yeah, I think you know it, re- it reminded me of Y two K when you know the turn of the century and oh, everybody yeah. thought every society was going to shut down and yeah. computers and all that. Um, I think what we can do better is like trust that if you trust that god's sovereign Mm -hmm. um fear fear can control a person like we are not invincible we can be controlled by things outside of ourselves fear is crippling and um like even from my point of view i i am not invincible i can get sick and die just like anyone else you know i try to be healthy but i am just as fragile and limited as Mm. anyone else um So I think honestly just having trust in Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, trust in God's sovereignty and trusting that, um, you know, I do do the best I can to take care of myself, but um, I'm still in life because God has put me on this earth to live.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think that that's a game changer for me as far as, not having compulsive behavior and like i said everything i say there's grace like there i am i don't have any chronic diseases i don't have any autoimmune diseases i'm not i'm not the most vulnerable person so i have a different perspective than maybe somebody with ms or somebody with copd so Mm -hmm. and i i um i respect i respect that but i do think no matter where you fall on the vulnerability line i think it you not have to be controlled by fear right uh we have power it through jesus um to um, have peace we can have peace mm-hmm. uh, it's there for us when we take it yeah So
0: i, I like so you you, you see because you have that background where you, you you are able to you have jesus to internalize um yeah everything that's going on you know and it, it's tough from kind of I guess what we say a world perspective just go about it um so a little to, to kind of wrap up the, the virus I have one last thing for you after this is um do you, do you have any realistic predictions on when uh because you have insider knowledge on how this field works right and so a fast timeline for, like, a vaccine or whatnot, in my estimation, is about, what, three years? Three to five years? A when fast I'm... timeline? Yeah. W- w- would you say that's accurate or for you? Like, uh, my math is, co- is obviously completely off. So maybe, maybe. Um...
1: I think it would be faster than that. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's probably so much funding right now. I don't, I, but that area, that's way out of my area of expertise. Sure. So I, I don't feel like my opinion is any better than yours, to be honest, but more than sooner than three years. I mean, there's
2: a I mean, hopefully, it is,
1: it's hard to say, cause it's October in an election year. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh
0: man, that's, a, um, that's a can of I don't, worms.
1: and I don't think that, um, I don't think I'm going to go get it right away. I mean, right. I, I try, I, I'm a vaccine believer. Like I am all about vaccines but um even so new drugs i just i want to wait i want to wait a few years and mm-hmm. see how they do and that's my that's what i'm gonna do well I th- flu th- shots different i get a flu shot every year because mm-hmm. it's been around for a long time but right well certain
0: people feel um you know they people feel differently about flu shots but why uh, so you and your word matters to me in that regard it, i think it truly um you, your words carry weight in that regard because this is your profession, right? But maybe not Not to put too much emphasis on it, why, why would you recommend waiting a little bit before, before going? If, if a cure were to come out, say, mid-next year um, or at the end of next year, why would you say wait in, in, your, in your opinion?
1: Well, a vaccine is not a cure. A right, vaccine, right, right, right. it helps your body develop antibodies. So antibodies, yep. It helps you fight it if you do get it mm-hmm. faster. You fight it faster. mm mm-hmm. um, wait is because there's so much political pressure on the development of it yeah. um and it's never been it's i've never seen this in my life before so i i don't i'm not afraid i'm not gonna live in fear without it and so <laughs> i don't feel it'd be different if i was dying of cancer and there was a new cancer drug that just came out i would probably take it mm. if i knew i was gonna you know but if i I'm doing okay without it. I know how to protect myself. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait a little longer um, to see what, because every drug has side effects. And I mean, they the, America is a great country. we test things well, and we do a good our drug companies do a good job for the most part. there's There's always horror stories, but they do a good job for the most part compared to you know other places in the world. Um, There are high standards here, so I I don't think whatever comes out is going to kill, like, is going to be like, oh, this is actually lethal and we just weren't paying attention. I think it will probably be a pretty good product, Mm -hmm. but there will be side effects. There will be things from it, and I don't know how big or small they're going to be, and I'm not in a point of crisis, so I'm going to wait.
2: Sure. All
0: right. Well, that kind of wraps up the virus and just your outlook as a nurse. Um, I I guess one final Thing I have for you is—is is what taking all that we've talked about so far, um, taking all that we've talked about, all that your experiences into a whole. What is the most important value that you hold, either in your job or your life? You know, values that you like absolutely es- establish for yourself going into your mm-hmm. workday, going in going in coming out. You know, of your daily life. What are what are values that you hold
2: dear and that you like you? hold yourself by like you said
1: i think i have a deep confidence Mm -hmm. in what i believe um i'm not a perfect person and even when it comes to jesus like i don't perfectly live out my faith but i know what i believe it gives me comfort to do what i do Mm -hmm. it 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 gives me peace i'm not afraid of disease i'm not stupid and like you know trying to be reckless Mm -hmm. but i'm not afraid um And knowing Jesus also gives me the comfort that not only am I not afraid of death, but I'm not afraid to risk, um, my comfort or my, um, I'm not afraid to try and to fail. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I'm not afraid to engage hard situations, um, which can backfire and can, you know, Mm -hmm. like people might reject you. I'm not afraid to get rejected because, um, I have, been accepted by god despite the fact that i i don't deserve it and i reject god like on regular basis but he he's um
0: yeah um no that's those those are there's a great values to have just because and i I love the fact that you've you've bought like faith as a tangible like your faith has a tangible slash realistic purpose in your life you know you rely it 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 comes to
1: life it's not just something i believe in on Mm -hmm. sundays it it is it impacts my daily life Mm -hmm. and when stuff happens i struggle i still i struggle um but i'm not without hope and that Mm -hmm. is different people there are people i watch and i die and they they don't have hope like they they don't have hope
0: yeah and i guess to kind of compare like to other professions as well. It's it's like almost whenever you're dealing, you we deal in a business where we deal with people, you know. So it's like you are constantly trying to mediate or whatnot, and just I, I feel now more than ever like you gotta. I I like what you say about having it having faith as being a realistic, um, having purpose in yeah. your life, having Jesus to like not only fall back on to have them truly lead you throughout life yeah you know that that's right. like that's a that's you know the whole thing about taking up your cross that i feel like that's a as the more the more i grow obviously because as a teenager or when your needs are being met by other people you don't really it's not really tangible but you know i guess when you're out yeah. on your own and you're trying to make your own way in life you, you kind of see it come to fruition yeah you know? so well, Laura, uh, we've done an hour and 14 minutes. Can you believe this? All right. You're such a natural. I mean, I can keep going. You're such a natural. No water. Um, I guess <laughs> maybe to close, do you have any kind um, of in closing, do you have any funny stories of, of stuff that's happened to you that kind of, but at the same time, reinforces the fact that you want to do this? Like, a- any cool kind of m- maybe, uh, um, maybe, you know, stuff that should stay off the record or whatnot. Just like cool fun experiences that you've had maybe to encourage those who actually want to become nurses as well or those of people that are trying to look for their career you know like what 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 are some fun kind of tidbits you've had along the way basically
1: i mean anytime you get to take care of like a 90 a year old woman who's just like a happy person mm. she will like i mean i had like a ninety-year-old lady a couple of weeks ago. She gave me her number. She said, "I'd I'd like to keep you as a friend." And just, like, will you call me and come visit me. And I called her, and um, like I, I liked her too. Mm-hmm. Took care of a hundred-year-old lady who just wow. was just. She was the sharpest-minded person I know, and she was one hundred years old. Once I took care of this this woman who had some serious brain damage, mm-hmm. and when you assess mental status, you tend to ask people. What's your name? What's your birthday? Mm -hmm. What's the date today? Who's the president? You know, where are you right now? Stuff like that. She could not answer any of those questions. She just grunted. But then every now and then she'd have moments of coherence. And all she would say was Kevin Costner is so sexy. (laughs) (laughs) She couldn't even say her name. (laughs) So like, there's some pretty great moments. Why Kevin Costner? Um, How old was this lady? How like how old? and are like 59 i think
0: oh okay this that explains like that that explains you, you if you were saying year 100 ago. years old and kevin costner i'm like oh interesting that's, yeah
1: no, that's different I generation
0: mean, the bodyguard so, you know that's a not right a movie. okay just to co- and maybe further what are do you have any like movies that you like to watch is is or like any other thing i know i know we touched on the hobby stuff already but you know you said cooking or are there any shows yeah. you're currently watching or not really
1: Big into watching TV. I really like to read okay. um, a story. I like to read a story. So right now I'm reading through the Chronicles of Narnia. They're just like yeah, they're great fun. stories. They're fun. I read um, Little Women. I read. Oh, did you um, watch the
0: did you watch the movie on that? The movie that recently came out last year with Emma Watson. I what, did. What you think of it? Because I wanted to see it, but I just I didn't. I never made time for it. But is yeah okay. So you would you? You think know, it's
1: it? fine. The book is always the book was is really good, and the the movie. And I just like, right. I don't know. I like books.
0: Yeah, same. Well, for me, I'm I'm, I'm currently rereading Harry Potter. Like one, just rereading uh, all of them. I read all of them in high school three times through. And now reading I'm reading like an analysis too. book. Typical English major stuff right here. <laughs> Do you have any books right. that you recommend uh, to people maybe? Uh,
1: one of my favorite books in the whole wide world is called Evidence Not Seen. It's by... Um, Darlene Daidler Rose. Sure, It's a great book for when you don't feel in your relationship with God, but um, like learning to trust mm-hmm. when you don't feel anything. Um, you're not amazing. It's a, and it's a beautiful story. It's a story that, like, why is she not as famous as Elizabeth Elliot? I don't know. She's a boss. Um, she was the first mm-hmm. woman missionary to Papua New Guinea, like, mm-hmm. in the jungle. So, right. there's that. Um, there's so many good books out there. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to begin, but that's, my, that's probably one of my most favorite books.
0: All right. Evidence not seen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to read this book. It's called uh, "On The Madness of Crowds by Frederick Douglass. Uh, it's oh, books.
1: Frederick Douglass.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Well, it's not, not the original <laughs> Frederick Douglass. Let's see. Okay. The Madness of Crowds. But this, guy, this was a guy that was recently on Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Um, I know it's a very typical guy thing to want to watch Joe Rogan. He's like he's like the Whitney Oprah, uh, Oprah Winfrey. I'm sorry of of, of guys. <laughs> uh, honestly, this is a guy that speaks. This is kind of the guy that inspired a lot of us to start our own podcasts. You know, um, Douglas Murray. I'm sorry, Frederick Douglass. That's a typical English major kind of guy.
1: I didn't even know he wrote a book with that no, name. No, but no, 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 no. Yeah, old, read it. Yeah, Frederick
0: Douglass. He was. Is, Um, but yeah, the madness of crowds by Douglas Murray, this is a guy that recently appeared on the Joe Rogan show and, you know, with all the protests going on right now and all the kind of, you know, this year being way more politically charged than even 2016 was. If you remember what that year was like, just like a whole bunch of kind of, you know, and just to kind of see through what's actually happening in a crowd, just the real reality of violence and the reality of, um what happens when you put a bunch of angry people in one space to me is important. You know, it's like, I, I feel I internally need to know more about, you know, cause I, I know a little bit about the reality of violence, you know, having studied some, some martial arts, but like this, this, this right here is, groupthink is a completely different thing, carries different weight in society today. And it, it carries kind of carries over into all occupations, you know, not just my field, but your field as well. What, what people, collectively think versus what is actually going on, you know, kind of learning to differentiate between perception and reality. It's like a
2: thing that I constantly yeah. Think
0: about. Yeah. So, okay. You're a book person. Um, Laura, it's been great having you on this podcast. Uh, in closing, do you have any... For inviting me. Yeah, no. Obviously. Honestly, this is... We might need to do a 2.0 in, in the near future just to see how, you know, after <laughs> things have changed, if-, if things have changed in your industry at all, if you know you you have any more stories to dig at but all right do you have anything to say do you have any more like uh
1: i'm just thoughts? i'm just really grateful for you uh being interested in my life so thank you
0: all right uh well guys it's been crunchy take episode number 22 this is laura mummy she's a nurse in communities uh, and a darn good one so if you ever come into contact with her say hi and uh this is yeah this has been the podcast thanks for listening
2: laura thank you And uh, thank you. Catch you later.